Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week, me and my lovely girlfriend go back and forth, picking movies, some of our favorites, some of our strangest, her blockbusters, my art house picks. Welcome to the Film Club. Boo, how are you? I'm doing good, Dean. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, because this week we get one of my um, very strange picks, not exactly an art house pick, but off the beaten path. Well, it wouldn't be you if it wasn't a strange pick. And this is continuing with our scary Christmas month. So what movie did you pick for us today? I picked the 1980s cult classic slasher film, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yes, you did. Yes, And I this did. was a unique movie. I'd never seen it prior to watching it for the episode. And it was pretty good, kind of odd, but... I've been bugging you since, uh, since you know, we were watching the movie. What'd you think about it? How'd you like it? What was going on? It was good. I've got a lot of different opinions about it. Okay. Immediately, I thought, you know, it's a you movie, so I'm not really going to like it that much. Because you pick out some far-out movies sometimes. What do you mean? You do. Eraserhead. I picked one far-out movie. Every other pick I've had has been nothing but bangers. Well, for the podcast, yeah, they've been pretty good, but... Behind the scenes, when you're like, hey, watch this with me, and it's just like, oh my god, what are you trying to do to me? Expand your mind with some great pieces of cinema. Like, people, you don't tomato, even know. Tomato, tomato. Wait till we get to Yodorowsky week. Oh, Ooh, it's god. gonna be good. I'll watch an El Topo, Holy Mountain. Then you'll know what weird is. Anyways, let's get back to Silent Night, Deadly Night. We'll start from the beginning, as we usually do. So yeah. let me ask you my traditional question. When was the first time you saw this movie? First time I saw this movie, I want to say I was going through, I don't know, a discount Walmart bin. Oh, you love those for movies. Every time we go to Walmart, Dean jumps into those discount bins. I mean, sometimes you find pretty good movies in those bins. And I found Silent Night, Deadly Night in there. The Blu-ray edition, the uncut version, all the gory details involved. And I was like, I have no idea what this movie is, but it's $3. So I like, eh, took a chance on it. Mm-hmm. And that was probably, I don't know, a couple of years ago. This movie has sat in the DVD collection for a long time. It sat in the vault for a while? It sat in the in the Dean vault of movies for a long time. But, you know, I saw it. I thought it was uh, an interesting kind of slasher flick. And I figured it'd probably be pretty good for the podcast for our spooky or scary Halloween, because, you know, we did I did Black Christmas. I thought, eh, this will be another good, I guess, pair for the month. And it was pretty good. You know, it exceeded my expectations of the movie. I thought it was just going to be some deranged guy in a Santa outfit, you know, just massacring people the whole time. But I was very surprised that we actually got a story behind the killing. Yeah, it has a psychological aspect to it. I think a main theme of the film is, like, trauma, Mm -hmm. the effects of abuse, and it has kind of a very damning view of the uh, Catholic Church, oddly enough, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I I also, you know, I I just assumed this is a slasher movie. That's, you know, pretty much all we're going to get. I didn't know that it had so much controversy behind the movie. I didn't know that there was an uproar because this movie came out. Oh, yeah. So this movie came out in 1984. It actually released against uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, for those who didn't know. 
and it was actually outgrossing Nightmare on Elm Street by like a hundred grand before it got pulled from theaters. And the reason it got pulled from theaters is because of a lot of parents and a lot of, I guess, um, organizations were protesting the film because they were basically saying, how could you do this to Santa Claus? Santa Claus isn't a deranged killer. You're traumatizing the children. Please stop. Because hashtag think of the children. But I mean, it's the same thing that we do now when, you know, rated R movies come out. Our trailers now are very uh, detailed and we could mostly see what's going to happen through the entire movie in one trailer. But it's the same thing with, you know, if you don't want your kids to see this, don't take them to go see this. I understand that, you know, this killer's in a Santa costume. It's putting off the wrong message. But again, you don't have to take your kids to go see this. In 84, go take them to go see um, Nightmare on Elm Street instead. You know, have a nice, you know, dreamy movie instead of a creepy Santa movie. Well, I don't think the problem was that it was a horror film. I think the problem was that all the advertisements and all the, like, stuff around it showing the film, it just looked like, oh, It's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie, or it was, oh, Santa's coming to kill people. And it was really awkward for parents to explain to their kids that, no, that's not real. And then the kids are like, wait, Santa's not real? And it's like, no, no, just that that one. I mean, well, uh, uh, and then this is sounding a lot like a 2020 thing. Christmas right here. Yeah, kind of. So it got really awkward, uh, basically, was when this movie came out. And also, it didn't help that this movie is filled with tits and filled with gore. And it's kind of a, it, it is a hard R yeah. slasher film. Definitely do not show this to your kids. There's at least three sets of boobs in this you know it's it's a lot there's you know a good amount of gore in it they get a lot of mileage out of flashing back to tits yeah so i would say pass this up you know if you want to stay up and kind of have like a scary movie kind of night in december i would throw this on the list but after the kids go to sleep yeah but other than that boo is there any particular point you want to get started on talking about well, let's start with our main character, the killing Santa himself. Billy. Billy. Which is a repeat from our Black Christmas episode, because mm-hmm. the killer in that film is also called Billy. Just two Billies, back to back. I wonder if Silent Night, Deadly Night is the backdoor prequel to Black Christmas. It feels like. Oh, man. If it weren't for the multiple sequels after this, it might work. But, yeah, so our main character is Billy, and his whole um, deal is when he was seven years old or something like that when he was like a real little kid him and his parents go to visit their his grandfather in a mental asylum in an institution yeah in an institution and on their way home they run into a santa stranded on the side of the road and they stop to help him but what they don't realize is that this santa is actually a criminal dressed in a Santa costume who is on the run from a botched liquor store robbery. And he kills Billy's dad and kills his mom. And does he kill the baby? I don't think he kills the baby. I think we see the baby in a later sequence in the film. Yeah. But he shoots the father in the head and he pulls the mother out of the car and molests her and then slits her throat with Billy across the street hiding in some brush watching the entire thing so yeah you can understand why this child is traumatized and you have this murderer coming out into the street calling for him so that he can kill him too 
So, yeah, I, I can see where Billy would have problems, I mean, throughout his entire life, you know, having to deal with this incredibly... Traumatic event? Traumatic, messed up moment in his life. It's just bad. Yeah, it's... It's, <laughs> it's terrible. It's pretty... Yeah, terrible is the word you should probably be using. Because, so Billy, he is... I don't know. We we see him flash up in it from being maybe five to seven to like being ten or twelve, mm-hmm. and you can obviously tell he's traumatized by this. He's living in an orphanage, and the nuns are not exactly the most understanding of his trauma. Well, we do have one nun that's understanding, and that was Sister Margaret. Sister yeah, Margaret's yeah. more picking up on the trauma and that he's not really a troubled child. It's just. Because of this trauma, he can't move on. He's stuck in this moment. And it being Christmas time, when we see this jump forward into the future, it's a trigger for him. And she's trying to tell, you know, Mother Superior, hey, he's not really that bad of a kid. It's just he's struggling. He's terrified of Santa Claus because Santa Claus massacred his parents in front of him. I don't know if even Mother Superior is aware of that. I don't know if if they're aware that... Of what happened to Billy's parents, because it seems to me they don't really understand why he has such a um, displeasure around Christmas and Santa Claus. Because, also, by the way, this is one of the weirdest, funniest scenes in the movie, where it's maybe 10-year-old Billy, they're trying to get him on Santa's lap because, look, you know, he's being a brat, we're going to get him on Santa's lap and everything's going to be fine. And he just turns around and decks this grown man and knocks him unconscious. And it's like a 10-year-old kid. And the only thing going through my mind is Mother Superior. You got a Mike Tyson on your hands. Come on, you get this kid in some boxing classes. Boom, that orphanage is going to have some bank rolling in. But, you know, that's, that, that's that, what your mind That is had. not the religious way. They, they do not go about, you know, yeah, let's, you know, put some gloves on the kid. Let, let him earn some money for us. That's the way to do it. We grew up in very different Catholic households. We did. So back to the back to the other fun points at hand. So Billy, you can obviously tell he's dealing with this PTSD, this trauma, and then he gets to be about eighteen, looking like a twenty-six-year-old, and uh, they have him working in the back room at a toy store. He's working at Ira's toy store and he lands the job because Sister Margaret goes and she talks to the man that runs the store and explains that, hey, you know, we have this really nice kid. Um, He just needs, you know, someone needs to give him a break. Mm -hmm. Uh, His parents were murdered. Please just give him a chance. And he was, you know, totally against it. You know, I'm not hiring some kid to, you know, lug boxes and you see Billy and Billy's jacked and he looks like the all-American boy next door. So, of course, they're going to hire him. Of course. But, yeah, so they hire Billy, and it is the most... Ridiculous opening of him working in this toy store. It is a Norman Rockwell painting come to life. It's so weird. Why is it weird? It's, I know I know it's soup. It is overly wholesome. It is overly, like, all-American. It is, it is ridiculous. But like I don't I don't know the it's wholesomeness kinda... that's what makes it weird because you know we go from 
his parents being murdered and PTSD to, you know, we get this nice, you know, sappy song and him, you know, loading boxes and him lifting up a child to get something off the top shelf. Him being extra nice and friendly to everybody. He doesn't drink on the job like his co-workers. He drinks, he drinks whole, whole milk, milk from a... A from, carton. From a little, it's not even like a carton of milk. It's like the little, like, um, cardboard boxes you would get from, like, middle school. It was like the little baby cartons, not like a big one. I mean, that carton in his hand looked like a half and half carton. That looked like a, you know, a special edition Remember, milk they made this from. Was, this was 84. They knew how to f do cartons of milk for middle schoolers. That's true. Uh, it was actually milk, not like flavored water. So I just thought that was ridiculous that we're going from terror and PTSD to this wholesome scene. But I understand why it's in the film because we show that Billy's in a good place and it's just the holiday season is what triggers him and brings him back to this horrific moment in his life. And then we start to see the turn. Yeah, yeah. It, it is, like, I, that's why that sequence is in the movie. And the whole reason that sequence is in the movie is to show the audience, this is adult Billy, this is what he's like 300 days out of the year. He is always, you know, really nice, really kind, sweet, all this other stuff. It's just the Christmas stuff is what, you know, breaks him, you know, what snaps him. And the owner, to his credit, nice guy, but is kind of at fault for the massacre that uh, ensues as he puts Billy into a Santa costume. Yeah, I mean, you know, really knock the guy down while he's already on the ground. Let's, you know, force this guy that's, you know, traumatized into a Santa suit. That's going to make things even better. Yeah, so the the whole story right there is that the guy who's supposed to be Santa for the toy store, I guess, no-shows. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, Billy, we're going to put you in the Santa costume for the kids today. You know, don't worry about it. We'll, it'll get you out of the stockroom. They throw the Santa suit on Billy, and Billy being too nice to say no is like, all right. And you can tell he is. Woo, he is miles away when he's sitting on the on the Santa chair. And he's super creepy. He is acting like a psychopath. And oh, God, well, I mean, you it's, could just see that you could see the humanity starting to fade in his eyes. They're just becoming just kind of deadpan. You're ready for him to make that kill. And when they put the kid on his lap and he's creepily telling her to, you know, sit still and to not be naughty. I'm just like, oh, my God, he's going to strangle this little girl. I'm like, this is the kind of movie that Dean's going to make me watch. What do you mean? I've never made you watch a movie where a child dies, alright? Not yet. I, I will never make you watch a movie where... I will never intentionally make you watch a movie where a child nah, dies. That's what I thought. I love you. But, yeah, so it, it is kind of interesting that the film has this very direct understanding of trauma, PTSD, and it is trying to address it in that, like, that's the theme of the film. In the guise of this really, really low-budget, like, slasher movie. And, honestly, the moment that we get the first kill, where Billy, like, kills the first person, this just becomes a, a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. <laughs> Humanity's gone. It is a killing spree. Uh, and, I mean, the, the first guy that dies in the, the back of the toy shop, 
He deserves it. Oh yeah, he is he is aggressively trying to get some stockroom sex with one of the clerk girls. No, he is, is uh, yeah, he like is, he's trying to rape her. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to rape this, you know, poor girl at the store and Billy comes up behind him and strangles him to death with a set of Christmas lights, which this guy deserved, you know, you're trying to rape this girl. Right there, Becky's like, Yeah, get him, Billy and then he goes to the girl and you're just like, Yeah, Billy, you know, you saved her. Wait, why are you no, Billy, no, stop, no! And then he kills the, the girl, and it's... And it's so it's so bad, too, you know? Well, you know why? Stomach to sternum, just slowly pulling that knife up, and it's just like, oh, you my God. You know why he killed that girl? Because she was being naughty, because, no, not her, because, because her breasts she, were exposed. He saw her tits. That's, the, that's one of Billy's triggers. Tits, Billy will come and kill. It's a trigger, man. Also, this jumps way back to the beginning of the movie when Billy visits his grandfather and he doesn't speak. We're not really sure what's wrong with him. And his parents step out of the room and his grandfather speaks to him and tells him, you know, to be good. Don't be naughty because Santa is watching you and Mm -hmm. Santa doesn't like when you're naughty. So this is kind of sets things into motion and seeing his mother being molested and then having her throat slit, he kind of, you know... Uh, associates that with, you know, that being expressed or uh, being exposed in that way to being naughty. So anytime he sees anybody exposed, they're naughty. And he goes throughout the film killing people and there's a couple of encounters with kids and he asks them, you know, have you been naughty? And when they say, no, you know, I've been good all year, that's kind of like his past, you know, I'm not going to harm this person because they've been good. Exactly. And it, and it is interesting, so, I remember we talked about Scream, that was our first episode, mm-hmm. and we talked about the rules in Scream, yeah. and one of them was the, the sin factor, no drinking, no drugs, no sex, no all this stuff, and this movie is taking that and just rolling with it. If anybody drinks, they're dead. Anybody fools around, they're dead. Mm-hmm. Anybody swears, they're dead. And it, it is kind of interesting. And then as the movie plays on, Billy goes on a, on a massacre. Like, yeah. there, there's a, kills a bunch of people. And they're all fooling around, drinking, mm-hmm. doing something. And then he gets back to the um, orphanage, I guess, where the Mother Superior and all the church people are. And this is after the police figure out what's going on and they're on the hunt for Billy, right? Yeah, this is after he goes into the house and he kills that couple that was fooling around. On the pool table. On the pool table, you know, we get the poor girl that's, you know, killed by getting, you know, just rammed through a pair of antlers on the wall, which was... Also, Billy is... There's no supernatural influence on Billy, all right? He is not uh, a reanimated corpse from Crystal Lake. He's not a dream demon tormenting kids. He's not a spawn of some cult member demon. He's just a really traumatized 18-year-old. But he could he lifted this girl up like five feet in the air and just shoved her through these antlers like no problem. How How jacked is Billy? Well, I mean, we see his guns at the toy store. His, what? his guns is... Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, having muscles and having guns, and you just see it when she goes, oh, well, he's not, you know, a kid. I mean, those biceps are massive, so, yeah, I could believe that he could lift people he's, up he's midair. He's not built like Arnold. 
All-American Arnold. And not even. Like, uh, he's like a relatively, like, okay, he looks like he probably would have played, like, high school football. Like, that is the maximum, like, m- like muscle mass, whatever he would look like. Yeah, no, I ain't gonna go with the whole, yeah, you play a little bit of football and then you can just bench people over your head and jam them through antlers in a sustained, like, you don't know. Maybe he really took out, you know, his workout seriously. Well, that's like the thing, you know. What? How did? How was Michael Myers so strong? Well, as soon as Doctor Loomis left the room, Michael busted out the bow flex and just started going. You got to do what you got to do. You got to be prepared for anything. I, I guess. I Which guess. kind of brings me to a theory. So we see the first killer in the movie, which is the Santa that kills Billy's family and yes. kills the uh, the gas station attendant. And then we have Billy transform into this killer Santa. And I'm going to jump to the ending of the movie when Billy is killed right in front of the children inside the orphanage. Mm -hmm. And we pan to that little boy that Billy dies in front of. And the little boy utters the word naughty. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of thinking, this kind of reminds me of Chucky a bit, where Chucky's soul goes into the body of this good guy doll. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, you know, maybe whoever this bad guy in the Santa costume was first, maybe some of him kind of got imprinted on Billy and it just passed on to this kid. Because I haven't seen part two, so I don't know anything that happens in part two. No one's seen part two. I think okay. there's four, like, Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. I think there's four. I've seen the first one. I've seen the trailers for two, three, and four. I'm okay with just seeing the trailers for 2, 3, and 4. Now I'm glad that I didn't see part 2. I was going to watch it to see if my theory was right. I mean, we could watch it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be No, I'm good. I'm Wh- good. Wow. I'm, okay. I'm okay. okay with this theory being unsolved. Yeah. But I just thought maybe it's a theory. Maybe it's, you know, this bad juju that kind of gets imprinted on, you know, people that well, witness, you know, something as horrific as this. Mm-hmm. Well, I was always under the assumption that the kid at the end of the movie where it's, like, naughty. I thought that was his baby brother from the beginning, but I I don't know. Do we ever find out what happens to the to the baby? Because it's Billy, and then there's this baby brother or sister that is in there. It's, it's I don't know if it's ever mentioned. Well, when, what I was picking up was the scene where after Billy knocks out the, the Santa Claus at the orphanage and goes running up the stairs, mm-hmm. that kid that yells Billy and tries to run after him, and the, the nuns stop him. I think that was his brother. He was small enough to be that age. Right? That age. He must have been like three or four years old, because he's an infant when we see the the little brother in the beginning of the movie. And yeah, Bi- and Billy's probably like seven or eight in the beginning. Or he's how got old is he? He's got to be like five. He he's like very five? young. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's really young, but I don't know if he's. Yeah, he might, then, I guess he might be five. And then when we flash forward to you know the punching scene and Billy in the orphanage. He's eight because when we jump to the toy store scene, this is 10 years later and he's 18. Yeah. So that's why she's trying to get him the job because at 18, you know, he can't stay at the the orphanage anymore because he's an adult. Well, then his brother would have to be like, what, like 13, 15? Somewhere. So his brother could be in the orphanage at the time that this is happening. Yeah, but then where's where's his brother? Because we do see some older kids... In the scene when we have the Santa coming up to the kids playing in the snow. Mm. And they're trying to corral them back into the orphanage. And 
The cops shoot this poor Santa, which actually ends up being... The, the Santa the nuns hired to show up and have fun with the kids. Yeah, and he's also a minister who works at the church that's across the street from the orphanage. And I guess he was deaf on top of it, and he gets shot like three times in the back. And the cop's just like, well, you said, you know, shoot to kill Santa at the orphanage. <laughs> that is That, must <laughs> that was been... horrible. Also, the line of events for that to work, it was... <laughs> They saw a Santa walking up to the orphanage at this exact time, right after this massacre. And the guy who was Santa was completely deaf, so he couldn't hear the cops telling him to stop. And he approached the children and was trying to, like, grab at them. Like, okay, every, like, look, I get it. That cop done messed up real bad, but, like... Was that was, might have been a justifiable shoot? I don't know. I mean, you know, at least run and make sure that it's the right guy. They, uh, the chief of police, and he's with Sister Margaret in the car, and they're racing to the the orphanage because the, there no one's answering the phone because one of the kids we see in an earlier scene was playing with the phone and leaves it off the hook. So they're racing and they're trying to save the people at the orphanage, and they get you know the word that. Hey, we have a confirmed kill at the orphanage. It's, you know, someone in a Santa outfit. So you get that, you know, brief sigh of relief until they describe, you know, Hey, well, we rolled him over and he's a 50-year-old man. He doesn't match the description. And it's just like, uh, again, this is when, you know, your training would kick in. Let me run to this person. Let me knock them down, at least. Can confirm who they are. You know, before you start shooting in the yard of an orphanage where multiple children are out playing you know one you know stray bullet can hit a kid but no let's just fire this, into the orphanage this is kicking in your 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 family's years of police service where you're just like this is unrealistic i know for a fact i know too many officers who would never have done this this is unrealistic yeah this... who would fire into a crowd like that especially a crowd of children yeah and before you know people are saying things about yes. police blah 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 like they are trained not to shoot into crowds. That's like day one training. So you would think, you know, huh, let me at least try to detain the guy and then shoot him if, you know, he's trying to kill me with the axe. But he doesn't even have an axe in his hand. He's got nothing. He's waving to the kids. It's like, oh, there's no visible weapon. But, you know, let's fire off some bullets into, you know, this old man's back. Granted, this is like uber, uber, uber small town america yeah that I, this is taking place in i'm not really sure where it's supposed to be it's it looks like the midwest somewhere yeah like middle of nowhere most of the movie was shot in herber city utah so i don't know if they're going with that theme of it's supposed to be like the utah area or if it is supposed to be the midwest because i don't think we get any any signage in the movie that would you know dictate what it yeah. is and if there is signage it's stuff that's in the background and it's not very apparent yeah the only signs we get in the movie are saint mary's orphanage and iris toy shop but apart yeah. from that we don't really get any clues to where this movie is taking place my assumption is that like every horror film this is every town usa so it, it's probably like the same like Black Christmas. Oh, where does this take place? Everytown, USA. Somewhere in the north where it snows a lot. But that's where it takes place. But then you get other horror movies like Scream 3 where, you know, you're supposed to know this is taking place in L.A., Hollywood. Yeah, where, where, it's, where your 
setting plays a major part in the story, but let's be honest here. Most slasher films take place in every town USA. Yeah. Or every campground USA. Yeah, pretty much. And it's, it is kind of interesting when you think about it. We have we see what two cops in the movie? I think so. There's there's two police officers in the entire town that are on a manhunt for an active killer. There is one toy store. Yeah. And that toy store is. I don't even I don't even know what's up with that toy store because it doesn't really look like a toy store. It looks like a kind kind of like just um. Kind of like a warehouse. Yeah, kind of like a warehouse. It's all industrial shelves. There's just stuff there. There's no tags on anything. But we did notice some pretty cool Return of the Jedi toys. Yes, this movie does in fact take place in 84, and you can spot all the Star Wars merch in the background, all the Smurfs merch. It's good. I just wanted to reach through the screen and grab that Jabba the Hutt set, some of the Stormtroopers, maybe a Boba Fett if they had one around. Maybe. Huh. It is, it is, it is nice. It is nice. Because this movie, you can tell, was, this movie is as 80s as you can get for slasher flicks. You know how they say some movies are timeless, they can mm-hmm. take place anywhere? You know, uh, I, I know some people say that about, like, Halloween, even though Halloween is a very 70s film. But yeah. it's like, oh, the tone and all that stuff. Oh, it's kind of like Evergreen. Yeah. This movie ain't Evergreen. This, no. this is, you watch that movie and you're like, yeah. The 80s ooze out of this film. Every celluloid frame just oozes the 80s. So if you want to live in the 80s, pop this in and watch it for an hour, you'll feel like you're there. Yeah. Hey, if you watch it for an hour, you might as well give in the extra 20 minutes because this movie's only 85 minutes long, and that's the uncut, unedited version, which I think is probably the only kind you can get now. I think so. Yeah. There, I... No, there's you. You'll also be able to tell what was te- cut out. And oh put yeah, in the movie I was cause... watching it last night, and I was just like, "Oh, okay, we're going from you know, it's a good image quality to it's kind of grayish, it's kind of fuzzy." I was like, "Oh, this wasn't in the original cut." Okay, cool. Yeah, like this is taken from somebody's work print. Yeah, it is. It isn't. It is interesting. It is interesting. And we forgot to talk about the coolest kill in the film. Is it the axe and the sleigh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is the that is the kill that for will forever be attached in this movie. So, what is it? It's like two guys and they're out like drinking or going for a. They're for going. A sleigh ride? They're going for a late night sleigh ride, and one of the guys is you know, hey, I'm not gonna go down the hill yet because I keep hearing things. The friends peer pressuring him, telling you, you're just scared. You're scared, and two bullies finally pop out and take their sleighs from them. So the guys go running home. And the, the the main bully sends the other, you know, younger bully ahead of him. And, mm. you know, they're having a great time, you know, sledding in the dark. Yeah. And it's like, I've never been to the snow, so I would assume sledding is fun, but not as fun as he makes it seem when he gets to the bottom. He's like, I did it! All right, cool! And well, then... it's the thing, it's like, you're in the dark, so you can't really, and you're going, you're picking up a lot of speed on a hill like that. So you can't really see what's going on. So it's kind of like, imagine you're in like a racetrack and you have to like slide around obstacles and stuff. So it is, to not hit anything is is the goal. But he did look like he was going that fast. Hmm? 
the first guy didn't look like he was going that fast. No, not really. I mean, it wasn't like a, an exciting thing, but you know. Because you can see him like pushing himself to go. So I'm like, you're not really going that fast. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And then we get the, the main bully that's, you know, I'm going to show you up, watch this. And that's when we get, you know, Billy jumping out of the bushes, axe in hand, going up for the bat. And knocks it out of the park. Oh, man. Decapitates this guy going down in his sled. And you get the sleigh coming down the hill, and it looks like the Headless Horseman is on a sleigh because it's Christmas time, and why not? Of course. And then we get the head rolling down the hill right afterwards. So good. good. Best acting was the little bully that couldn't stop screaming. (gasps) He was convincing that he was terrorized by his friend losing his head. I, I think that's probably baseline acting school. How to be... Act scared. Well, how scared? Like, you just saw your friend get decap- get decapitated. That's gotta be day one, like, horror acting class, right? But, you know. Life happens. So, yeah. Pretty cool kill. The Toy Story, you know, for... Or, the Toy Story. The, the, the Toy, toy Story. Sorry, I got Toy Story on the brain. But the Toy Story, for people that are fans of... Um, Iconic buildings that were in movies is still around. Mm-hmm. It is in uh, Herber City in Utah. I think now it's a gym, or it might be abandoned. But the building itself is actually still there. So if you want to give That'd it a visit, be so weird if it was a gym. Like you know, you would walk in, and I I'd imagine it this be the kind of place where they knew Silent Night Deadly Night was filmed there. So every Christmas you would just see like a guy in a Santa costume just getting jacked up in the in the gym before the killing spree. Hey, I mean, you want to get more people in there to join oh, your gym. That's how Billy got so strong. That's how he got swole. That's how he got swole, yo. Huh. So, yeah. But yeah. I think, uh, yeah, so that's Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, is there any other big things you want to talk about? Because I know this is my pick, but I think, like, Black Christmas, you know, there's a little bit more to chew on here. Yeah, there's more to chew on. There's not as many facts about this movie. No, not I, too many. I, I was getting a lot more of the controversy than I was getting the facts, so I kind of really had to, you know, fight to find what I have. So when they were, you know, making this movie, one of the people that they considered to direct it was Sam Raimi. This would be a Sam Raimi movie, yeah. And, yeah. And I know how much you love the Evil Dead franchise. You mean the, the perfect franchise of films? Well, I'm, waiting on, I'm waiting on you to... to pull the trigger and when are we gonna do a evil dead episode ah when you least expect it because i think it's celebrating a big anniversary next year i think so because it came out in 81 i want to say 81 or 71 oh it's not 71 i know it's not 71 i don't know i i know it's old but i'm not sure how old it is oh yeah so Um, they considered they considered sam raimi to direct this which I wonder what kind of movie we would have gotten if he had directed this. Bruce Campbell would have been Billy. That would have been cool. That would have been baseline, would have happened. Uh, There would have probably been a lot more slapstick. Yeah. Mm, I wonder if they could make a Three Stooges slasher film, because that would be a Sam Raimi slasher film. I'd watch it. Probably. So yeah, but that's... uh... And then I found an Easter egg. You know, going back to our Toy Story episode, mm-hmm. how we started, you know, ranting and talking about the Ernest movies. Well, apparently this movie ties with Ernest Saves Christmas. Really? 
Yeah. Didn't Ern- When did Ernest Save Christmas come out? It came out in the 90s, didn't it? Well, yeah, but the people that directed the movie have obviously seen this movie. Yeah. So you remember the part where Ernest is looking for Santa and he goes onto the film set? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that part. There's a sign somewhere on the film set that says the name of the movie. It's called Sleigh Ride. And that... that was the working title mm-hmm. of this movie up until like a like a week before it was like final cut. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little Easter egg of this movie in an Ernest film. That's badass. Badass. Alright. So I'm digging it. Anything else you want to say about this episode? Or do you feel like we've I think said we as co- much as we could? I think we covered a, a lot of the movie. It's got some good themes. Um, it's a lot more interesting than this kind of slasher movie has any right to be. Um, it's a really gory. There's a lot of nudity. And, and you feel empathetic for the killer. Yeah, like you feel bad for Billy. You This isn't like a Michael Myers mm-hmm. or a Jason, Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger. Where the killers are obviously going to win. They're obviously better than everybody else in the movie. They're Obviously have supernatural um, Maybe not abilities even... to them because they, they get shot, they get run over, but they always come back. Yeah, and the thing is with those killers, it's also... You don't really sympathize with them because they're obviously evil. In this one, you sympathize with Billy because, oh, this guy is messed up he needs help and he's just not getting it and then he finally snaps and the people he is killing you can see it's like oh it's his warped perspective that's causing Mm -hmm. him to do this for some of them and it's it's a very sympathetic performance for a slasher movie that we just don't really get a lot of so i would recommend this movie to people if they wanted to you know a more a adult themed slasher film that is very okay with playing it as you know to the hilt as possible and there's also a lot of depth in the movie too so it's not you know mindless let's watch this you know crazy guy kill people it's you know let's see this person struggle from childhood to adulthood with trauma that's being untreated and also let's see some tits and some gore Eh. because that's also like, I, I don't want to oversell the movie, alright? This this ain't, like, Citizen Kane of slashers. This is a, a slasher film that has some really good, like, themes and some commentary. But it's also, at the end of the day, it's an 80s slasher film. It is. It's very 80s. So, yeah. But that is Silent Night, Deadly Night. Boo. Overall, you liked it? I liked it. Honestly, I can say I enjoyed the rewatch as well. But, why don't you tell everybody what we're watching next week the double feature film club extravaganza yes next week is christmas it's already here i hope you guys have gotten your christmas shopping done because we're from california and we're constantly getting locked down so try to get those gifts while you can but next week christmas eve we are dropping our christmas extravaganza episode so it will be a double feature film club collab our first collab yes hopefully the first of many well, we've got some collabs set up for beginning of next year, so we'll see how this one goes. And we are going to be doing a Christmas extravaganza, so that means three movies in one episode. Yes. I know you guys at the double feature do two movies an episode. 
Yes, we, we do. We usually do one. Mm -hmm. And now we're doing three. Yes, because during Christmas time, I don't know how many people do this, but in my house, it's usually you put on a lot of movies and you just have them kind of run while you're, you know, opening presents, cooking food, hanging out with the family. Usually there's a collection of films. Of course. In, you know, the, the family catalog of film stuff. But the goal this year is for all of us, me, the Boo, and my cohort, David, to all come together with our family film, or family Christmas film. Mine is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Because A good one. Because that movie is wonderful. Yours? My pick is the Bill Murray classic, Scrooged. Oh, man. And then I know my friend David... He tries to be pretentious. He tries to be above it all, but... Kind of like you? Yeah, you know. But down in his heart, the man picked a Stone Cold classic, A Christmas Story. I'm excited for this episode. I love all three of these movies, so it's going to be a pleasure to sit through these movies, watch them, review them, get trivia on them. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be a big one, and we hope to see you all there. You'll be able to find that episode on our podcast channel as well as the double feature podcast channel so you can listen to it twice if you really want to it might be too much to handle in one podcast i don't think so it's 2020 we can well, handle we a can lot. handle anything now but yeah so boo would you like to tell the people anything else about the podcast where they can find us where they can hear us anything else we're doing if you want to follow us on social media see our everyday adventures Follow us at the Film Club Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to listen to us, we're on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any platform you could think of. And if you want to hear more of me talking about movies, you can also follow me at the Double Feature Podcast and the Too Obscure for TV Podcast. You can find that on the YouTube channel In The Frame. You can also find those same podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Anchor FM, FM, all the podcast platforms you can think of. We're probably on them. And, Boo, I think that's about it. That's about it. So we'll see you Christmas Eve. Save some eggnog for us. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Scary Christmas. We'll see you next week at the Film Club. Peace. <laughs>